That's so relevant to the morning because we're starting a new series this morning on trying to hear God's voice. How do we hear from him? Well, good for us. God's given us his word. He not only reveals himself through his creation all around us, but he's very specifically given his revelation in language we can read and understand. It's an amazing thing. And this is God's desire that we would hear his voice. And church, and I'm speaking mainly to believers this morning, if you're not a believer, hang in. I hope that um, just this information about Jesus as our good shepherd will entice you to draw near to him. But believers in Christ, and I think that's probably most of you, it is so important in our day that we learn to discern our shepherd's voice because culture has never been noisier than it is today. One perhaps negative byproduct of our information explosion age is there's so much information that it's on us to discern what can be trusted and what can't be. What should stir our hearts and what shouldn't what we should investigate more and what we can let go, what we should follow after and what we need to turn from. These are all questions of discernment, and they're all very difficult because every noise we hear today, everybody has an ideology, has an agenda, and they want our loyalty to join them and follow them. And it's on us to discern the information. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I'm in a fog. I just feel like there's so much and I don't, I don't even know where to start. Is this new source trustworthy? Is this one? Is this one? And what makes this one so? And how do I figure it out? <laughs> Can I trust what this person is telling me? And that, that's just not media out there. That's friends. It's family. It's preachers. You should test what we say. There's an information explosion. So we're going to watch a couple videos this morning. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 10. You can start to turn there. And John chapter 10 is all about Jesus Christ as our shepherd. And what he's teaching us is to be able to recognize his voice. And so we are sheep, and we can learn a lot from sheep. Um, let's watch this first video. Wait for it. There's more than cheesy shepherd guy speaking in a different language. You'll you'll see it.
All right, you guys can cut that. I just love this video. So much we can learn about sheep. And the New Testament throughout the whole Scripture really makes it clear, likens us as human beings to sheep that need a shepherd. And how beautiful that is. You know, it's, it's just amazing. And the thing is about being New Testament Christians, we can't see the shepherd. But this chapter teaches us that we can hear his voice and that we ought to. As a matter of fact, that it ought to be normative for us. Wow. And how cool that is. I mean, that, that's so powerful to me. I, I can't get my dog, I, I can't even get my grandchildren to come to me like that. It's amazing to me. They just start come running. It's so cool. So let's go to John 10. If you've got your personal Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. We're going to study this chapter over the next five weeks, next five Sundays. This morning we're just going to look at the first six verses. We're going to introduce it as much as anything. Um, and these are the words of Jesus encouraging us that we have a really good shepherd and that it's normative for us to recognize and follow that shepherd's voice. So, first one, chapter 10 of John, Jesus' words, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, so he's speaking to the Jewish leaders here, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will turn away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus was being rather poignant with the Pharisees here. They didn't get it. I'm not even going to delve into that this morning. What I want to do is just very simply talk about the simple truths that Jesus lays out here. He's a good shepherd. We're sheep. We can recognize his voice and follow him and be part of his flock. Now, perhaps the biggest threat to sheep is someone who would steal them away because they're very helpless creatures. They really, they have nothing within them that allows them to defend themselves. Oh, they'll try. I've had sheep butt me before, but they're pretty helpless. Um, and so Jesus kind of starts this, again, addressing the Pharisees as ones who, I think in his mind, were kind of the thieves and the robbers trying to steal God's flock away from him. And so Jesus starts out saying, we got to watch out. we got to beware because there is such a thing as thieves or robbers who want to steal sheep for their own benefit. And I think that's what we have to understand about our culture right now. Every voice in our culture is trying to win us to their particular ideology or their movement or their cause or their thing. There's nothing new about this. As long as there's been human history, this has been going on. I think the information is just so accessible today that it just feels overwhelming sometimes. 
because anybody can kind of start any business, anybody can start kind of a movement, and it's just amazing the opportunities out there for us. But that just underscores the need for us to be discerning, and it makes it much more difficult because of the volume of information and noise that's out there. And so we have to recognize in this context, there are thieves and robbers, just like Jesus says. And he says these are people who enter into the sheep pen by illegitimate means. And so our first point, if you're following in your bulletin notes, is just watch out, beware of thieves. And there's plenty in our culture, and we need to recognize that. And as, we're gonna, as we work our way through this passage, we're going to get down to verse 10, where we see that there's thieves who come and they have an agenda. It's to steal, kill, and destroy us as sheep of a shepherd. And we're vulnerable to that. That's one aspect of us being sheep. We are very, very vulnerable. We need a shepherd. We're not going to make it without a good shepherd. So we got to watch out. And Jesus says these thieves and robbers come to us illegitimately. And let me just explain the imagery here. He talks about a sheep pen. And let me explain so you understand what's happening in, in the first century, it wouldn't be unusual for kind of a corporate sheep pen that would house many flocks. So it wasn't like one guy was a rancher and he had a pen for his own flock and then he took them out at day and brought them back. Sometimes if he's out on the open range, that shepherd may find more of a corporate sheep pen where there's multiple flocks that stay the night to be protected from danger. And so all these sheep go in the same pen and maybe the gatekeeper guy that Jesus references is the owner of that pen and maybe he um, has an agreement with the shepherd, you know, 20 bucks, you can keep your sheep here for the night or whatever it was. And then in the morning when it's time to take the flock out to graze them in the open pasture, a particular shepherd gathers the gatekeeper. He comes, he opens the gate because he knows this shepherd, they've worked out an arrangement, and the shepherd then stands at the open gate and begins to call out his sheep. And they come, just like the video we saw. Sheep that aren't of his flock don't come because he's not their shepherd. And so all the sheep know their own shepherd's voice. And so he gathers his flock. Later in the text says he calls them by name, and then he takes them out on the open range for the day. But Jesus contrasts that with somebody who enters the sheep pen illegitimately. That would be a thief who maybe climbs over the wall of the sheep pen, maybe in the dark, and tries to take sheep for his own advantage, his own benefit. And Jesus even said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, watch out for wolves which come to you in sheep's clothing. I'm not talking about a literal wolf. He's talking about somebody who disguises themselves as a sheep, sneaks in the pen in order to take sheep away. So we have an enemy, church. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to separate us from our shepherd. It's very important we understand this. And so how we manage the cultural noise, how we respond to all that's out there is vitally important. And so Jesus starts this whole section, this whole chapter by saying beware. Now more on the enemy and how that all works next week. And I'm super excited to announce to you that next Sunday you're going to hear Brother Nashwan Sedun preach for the first time. Nashwan's over here and his wife raised a hand. And uh, Nashwan is a great English speaker. If you've talked to him, he speaks really good English. But to preach in English is another matter. So we've asked him to preach in his native tongue of Arabic, and then Mark Clausing is going to translate for us. You didn't know Mark knew Arabic, did you? 
He doesn't. <laughs> I don't know if he could translate. Where are you, brother? Are you even in? Could you translate two words even? Okay, maybe. He thinks he can. He can't. He doesn't know anything. Okay. <clears throat> um, but what? thanks to Google, Nashwan has written out a manuscript of his message, and, thwink, and it's translated, and so Mark has the English version, and together they're going to present the word to us from the next section of John 10, and I'm super excited to hear that, so please don't miss next week. And this is going to be kind of a prototype of when they plant the church in urban Toledo, the two of them together. This is kind of how it's going to work. Nashwan may preach a week and Mark will try to translate. And then the other week, maybe Mark preaches and Nashwan translates for the Arabic speakers. So next week's going to be a super special morning and we'll hear more about these thieves and how they break into the sheep pen next week. Second point for the morning, really primary to this whole five-week series, is letter B, listen to the shepherd's voice. Listen to the shepherd's voice. We're going to see in this text that the sheep listen to their shepherd's voice. They just do. It's normative. It's what a sheep does. And if Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of Jesus. Now let me give you a little bit of technical stuff here to help you see how this um, could kind of go. But before I do that, let me just give you what probably is the major application of this entire series and it starts with the word train, because this is not automatic. Like any little lamb, it, it takes time to recognize the shepherd's voice. It's not going to get that in one day of interaction with the shepherd. Okay, so time is involved. That means training. Training, if there's one word that best describes training, it's repetition. It's the same thing over and over and over again. So listening to Jesus' voice over and over and over again helps us to recognize it. And that's our challenge for this series. We need to train ourselves to recognize the voice of Jesus, our shepherd. That primarily happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain that. Sometimes when you hear the word Holy Spirit, you just get a little freaked out. And that's just not necessary. Um, Two things, ministries of the Holy Spirit, that need to converge in our heart if we're going to hear the voice of God. And it starts with the written Word of God. So God has spoken to us already by His Word. He's actually put it in human language. So we can read the very heart and mind of God and understand it in our own language. It's an amazing gift we've been given. And Scripture teaches us that it was the Holy Spirit that inspired the biblical authors to write those words so that what they wrote was the very words of God. So when you read the Scripture, you are reading the very heart and mind of God in your language. It's an amazing gift that God gives us. And so now not only did the Holy Spirit inspire <clears throat> the written Word of God, but the Holy Spirit is given as a gift to those who believe and trust in Christ, and then He illumines that Word for us. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which He called you. That's the enlightenment of the Word of God. So we like to use the word convergence. That came to me from a man named Sam Storm. Sam talks about the convergence of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The written Word of God in our language and the inspirer of it who can illuminate to our hearts and make sense of it in our hearts. When those two streams converge in the human heart, you hear the voice of God. That's what Jesus has for his sheep. It's an amazing thing. 
And it's the opportunity, church, that we have as believers in Christ who have the Word of God and have been given the Spirit of God internally. And so I'm going to quote from a guy named Dallas Willard multiple times this morning. Willard says this, whenever God guides us in our conscious cooperation with Him, and so if we're going to hear from God, first of all, we have to have committed ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he means by conscious cooperation. I'm all in. I'm all in walking with you, Jesus. I want to follow you as my shepherd. I want to hear from you. And so it starts with that commitment. Then he goes on to say, God, God does this by speaking to us, by giving to us thoughts and perceptions that bear within themselves the marks of divine origin. What that means is when the Word of God and the Spirit of God converge in the human soul, you may have some different ideas or perceptions of life and things around you, and if those converge in your soul, those are always going to be consistent with the, work, with the Word of God. That's their divine origin. So we need to learn how um, to understand the compulsion of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's the primary place where we're going to hear the voice of God. Not that God can't speak to us in other means. He can and He does, and the Scripture record proves that. But for us as New Testament believers, I believe this is going to be the primary place we hear the voice of God in our hearts from a convergence of His Word and His Spirit. Now, Willard, in his book, Hearing God, gives us some very practical steps, and I, I, want, I put these on the bulletin insert for you, so that insert that has a little flocky thing on top, it's these points. Stick this with your Bible journal, where, whenever you pray, put it on your fridge. We'll make 150 copies if you want it in every car and on your lawnmower and everywhere else, because these are principles that you have to work. That you're not going to be able to read this and say, okay, check, 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 and by tonight you're clearly hearing the voice of God. It's not going to work that way. These are principles that you give yourself to over and over and over again, and it's this training piece that's involved here. But I think these are very useful, and I give them to you. I've read a lot of books on this. I, I give them to you because these so resonate with my own experience, all right? And you just need to know, it's been a long journey. And in the early years of trying to hear God's voice, it was very, very frustrating to me. <laughs> when I suppose I was a tender little lamb, walking around going, eh, eh, eh. and I didn't know. And I was following older, more mature sheep because I wanted to hear the voice of the shepherd, but it wasn't so clear to me then. So it starts, number one. i got to move on here. Number one, meditate constantly on God's principles for life as set forth in the Scripture. Meditate constantly on God's principles for life. That's what the Scripture is. That's what the New Testament is. It's the writers after the Gospels teaching us, the epistles teach us God's principles for life, how to live a gospel-centered, Christ-centered life. And by meditate, we mean you've got to think on it more than once. So scriptural engagement doesn't mean I just read it and there, okay, I got my points from God today because I read some of his word. And it's not what we're after. What we're after is to read and not only understand the Word of God cognitively, but then meditate on it, think about it over and over and over again, and petition the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, you inspired this Word, and you live in me. Now tell me what I ought to do in response to this. Affect my emotions with this truth of God. Challenge me to new behaviors and new decisions, because I want, I want to live consistent with this. And so we're asking for the Holy Spirit to speak His voice to us in our hearts through meditation. So it's over and over and over again. This is why in almost every discipleship tool that we use here at Crossroads, Scripture, memory and meditation is a big part of that. If you've not been in an Everyman Warrior group yet, 
I think in book one, we memorize how many tones? Seven or eight verses, I think. You want to stand up and quote every one of them? He's got them. I've heard him do it. He, I don't even know if he's listening to me. All right. <clears throat> so we memorize seven or eight verses. And it's not just to know them, to quote them, even though we do quote them to each other. We meditate on them. We think on them over and over again. We repeat them, each time trusting the Holy Spirit to give us fresh insight. And that's why Willard says, as at some point under number one, strive to penetrate more into those, the meaning and application of those truths. Point number two from Dallas Willard. This is so important. Be alert and attentive to what is happening in your life, mind, and heart. Recognize that God is also at work in your circumstances. So as you seek to understand the voice of your shepherd, how might he be speaking to you or trying to get your attention through the circumstances of your life, through the thoughts of your heart, through your own soul? Kind of take an assessment, if you will, of all of these things. And so Willard's subpoint is to purposefully, humbly, and intelligently cultivate the ability to listen and see what's happening in our own souls and recognize they're in the movements of God. How is God using external circumstances to stir and move and change your mind, your emotions, and your responses to some of the things of life? Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Um, and this is pretty relevant, I think, to most of us. Over the last two years, a lot of people who would say, fear's not a huge problem in my life, but I have been the last two years. There's a lot of stuff going on. Fear's become very real to all of us. Not just a one-time thing, but almost on a daily basis. So if I assess, what is it that's making me afraid? And is it okay to be afraid? And should I be? And then I try to align that with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I realize that God's Word never says I should be compelled by my fear. Maybe the fear of God, the Almighty. But not fear of circumstances and stuff. Rather, the, the, the psalmist David says, when I'm afraid, what will I do? I will trust in you. So the Bible doesn't scold us for fear. It just says when you're afraid, don't let that drive you. Don't let that affect or impact the trajectory of your life. Rather, when you're afraid, realize God wants to speak to you in that. Go back to his word and petition him. Lord, and pour out that fear. Lord, I'm anxious. I don't know what to do right now. Help me. Guide me. And let his voice guide you and determine what you do next, not the fear within your heart. It's the same way with stuff like rage. Immorality, there's all kinds of things. These really are the thieves that want to steal our joy and our peace. Rage, think about rage. Is there any place in Scripture that says let rage control you? When you get really hot, when you get really ticked off, do whatever comes to your heart and mind. No, that's not what the Scripture says. And yet things happen that infuriate us. So we have to listen to the voice of the shepherd that comes to us through the convergence of God's written word and his spoken word in the power of the Holy Spirit and wait and say, Lord, shepherd, what do you, how do you want me to respond because I'm feeling rage right now? Is this the time to speak or the time to be silent? And husbands, when it comes to that question with your wife, you don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> okay? Is this the time to be quiet? Nod my head or should I speak right now? These are things we depend on the voice of the Lord Jesus for. All right, number three. It's also so important. Pray and speak to God constantly and specifically about the matters that concern us. 
I think I first learned this years ago again from King David in the Old Testament because oftentimes if you study David's life, there'll be a phrase that David inquired of the Lord. And he did that in difficult times of stress. A lot of times he did that before a battle. And he just asked the Lord flat out, should I attack these guys? Should I attack the Amalekites? Is it time now or not? Very pointed yes or no question. And sometimes in my early years, I would be frustrated. Look at that. It seems like God just gave David an answer and he followed it. I was like, well, what about me? Come on, I want to hear from you. But I think this is one of the skills that we learn. If we continually ask God, should I do this or should I do that? By inquiring, we get some help. We call this um, conversational prayer. It's where you're just continually kind of carrying on an internal dialogue with your shepherd, the Lord Jesus. So it's not just on the big things. You know, we all pray about the big things. We want a new house. Is this the house, Lord? We want to pray about this. Job change. We want to pray about that. But the little things, little things. Should I go talk to that person or not? Lord, I've got four things that need my attention right now. Which do I do first? Prioritize these for me, Jesus. It's the little things we can pray about. It's the little things. Ask. And then again, apply number two, where we see what happens in that and let him direct us and direct our circumstances. This is how we learn the voice of the Lord. Number four, Willard encourages us to be a little more systematic in number four. He says, use a regular plan, listen carefully and deliberately for God, and then journal it. I tacked on the then journal it because that's what he's saying to do. Pay attention, receive it with thanks, write it down, meditate on the truth and insight he gives you, and carry out any action steps he gives you. So that's just listening very specifically. If you think the Lord is urging you or compelling you to something, write it down, pray about it a few more days. If it resonates with your soul and you're like, yeah, I think God really wants me to do that, then do it. And then write down what happens after you did it. If things happen that are good and consistent with what you know of God's revealed will in Scripture, boom, you heard the voice of the Lord and you obeyed it. If things go somehow off track with what God has designed for you, oops, maybe I didn't hear correctly. Your shepherd isn't going to punish you for that. What's he going to do? He's going to come and find you. And say, my little sheep, you wandered off a little bit. Come on, come on. He's going to call out whatever that guy did. I don't know what he was saying, but... And, and you'll hear his voice, and you'll come back, because that's what sheep do. So don't worry about misreading the, the voice of the Lord. Just move. Be responsible and do what you feel he's compelling you to do. And if you're misstepping or out of step, he'll correct you. That really leads into number five. What do we do when God does not speak? Or we feel like we're not. Hearing from him, I would say to you, God is speaking. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book decades ago, said God is there and he is not silent. He is speaking. The challenge is with us. Are we hearing him or are we being attentive? So if you feel at those times when you're just not hearing from God, Willard gives some great subpoints here. Ask God to, if there's any hindrance in your heart that would keep you from this. And Willard says, don't ask for this day after day after day. Just pray about it a few days. It's kind of what David did in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Might want to jot that down. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 is where David prayed, um, see if there's any wicked, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try my, test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. So David says, if there's something in me that's a hindrance or a blind spot that I don't know, point that out 
and lead me past it, through it. That's a great way to pray. Or maybe get counsel from two godly people that you respect. And if you find some hindrance in your heart, repent from it. Dallas Willard says, correct it mercilessly. He says, if you can't find a cause, then act on what seems best to you after considering the itemized details of each alternative. And you've all done this. It's like, i got two options. Do I do A or B? All right, I'm going to list all the pros for A and all the cons for A. Then I'm going to list all the pros for B and all the cons for B. Be rational, be smart, and do the thing you think best. And then apply steps one, two, and three. What's God doing with that decision you've made? As you're beginning to move, is he redirecting you? Is he slowing you down? Is he speeding you up? That's all a part of being what we call in step with the Holy Spirit, being in rhythm, being in alignment with the Holy Spirit. And this can take years to really gain this skill. But again, I want to encourage you, this is the shepherd's expectation, normative expectation that we would hear his voice. It's possible for you, believer in Christ, because you have the shepherd living within you. It is possible for you. It's expected of you. Don't be discouraged in this. Trust Him and keep praying. Willard then says, if we proceed in this way, we'll come to know God's voice as a familiar personal fact, and we can live comfortably with it. I love that. If we'll keep putting the time in and applying these kind of principles and just praying and trusting and following to the best of our ability... We'll get there. We'll get there, and it'll be familiar, and we'll be able to hear our shepherd's voice, and we'll be able to follow him. And that's point C, follow the shepherd's lead. In this text and this whole chapter, it's not just about listening and recognizing the shepherd's voice, but it's then going to him. Verse 4 says, when he's brought out all of his own from the sheep pen, when his whole flock is out of there, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow. Why? Because they know his voice. So they follow because they know his voice. And the shepherd will even call them by name, so our shepherd won't leave any sheep behind. Don't fear that. Just stay with the flock. Go, go together. We all have seen the, the nature shows where the, the weak lamb or the weak wildebeest or whatever who gets separated from the flock, he's the one the lion gets. All right, don't do that. Follow other sheep who recognize the shepherd's voice maybe better than you do. Stay with them. Recognize his voice. Train yourself. And with the more experience comes more clarity of the shepherd's call. Then letter D, refuse to follow a stranger. Verse 5, Jesus just says it very clearly. He says, sheep will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from it. So once that sheep really is able to recognize its shepherd's voice, they just flat out will not follow a stranger. They're just, they're just not going to do it, which is a really cool thing when you think about it. Really cool. So that's the characteristic of sheep. They're not going to follow any other shepherd. Now, let's watch another video here, and this is to show you. I just want you to notice this is apparently some tourists who are trying to get a flock of sheep to come to their voice, and the sheep just aren't having it. I mean, the, the, just watch how they almost seem totally oblivious to strange voices and then contrast that when their shepherd steps in. Ducky, 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 ducky. 
One more time. I just love that. Um, you know, as soon as they hear his voice, those heads just kind of pop up. What? 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 Is that the voice of the shepherd? What? What? And he continues to call. It's like, yeah. And they don't, it's not like, hey, he's got something really great for us today. It's a sheep. They don't know. But they just go to the shepherd. They trust him. Because they know he loves them. And they know he will lead them. And with him is good stuff. So they just go. They just go. But any other noise seems to have no effect on them whatsoever. Boy, I long for that, don't you? I would love to know the shepherd's voice so good that when all the noise comes, I wouldn't even really have to think about it. It just would be like, wah, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, in the, the old, it's just unintelligible. But when the voice of my shepherd speaks, it's clear. And I go to him because I know he's good, he's gentle, and he's faithful. I'll close with this. Four more points in your sermon notes. Know the shepherd's voice and other things about him that the Scripture gives us. Know the shepherd's wisdom. James 3.17 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Our shepherd is wise, and he wants us to have his wisdom. And so he promises, if we don't think we got the wisdom of the shepherd, ask him. He'll give it to us generously, abundantly. So much of this comes down to asking. And just asking in faith that, Lord, I know you have this for me. Just give it to me. Same way with the heart. The Lord Jesus lives within us, believer in Christ. We have his heart. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. This is not a harsh shepherd, all right? He loves us. He cares for us. He has our best interests in mind. We can know the will of our shepherd. Romans 12, 2 says that when that Holy Spirit enters us and, and, and we're, we cooperate with him transforming our minds so that our minds think differently as compelled by this convergence of the written word and the spirit, we can know the will of God. That, that's hearing his voice. So I can do, I can think, I can go where the will of God wants me to do, think, and go. It's a fantastic thing. And then we can also embrace the mission of Christ. Um, this is all part of knowing our shepherd's voice to live on mission with wisdom. 
consistent with the will of God, with a heart of love and grace and gentleness to others around us. You know, as we wrap up, and the band can come back out now, um, it'd be nice, you know, if uh, I've thought this more than once, if like, could somebody invent some device that would just be like a noise canceler for our hearts <laughs> that would filter out everything but the word and the heart of Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? Somebody could figure that out. Well, in a sense, we, a very real sense, we have that with the word of God and this convergence of the spirit and the word in our hearts. Um, and so it's on us to recognize his voice and follow that and not the other noise in our culture. One quote to wrap up here by A.W. Tozer. And Tozer wrote this, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago. But it's amazing how relevant it is for the, the times now. And he just flat out, this is a prayer. Lord, teach me to listen. That's, you want to learn how to listen to the shepherd's voice? Just ask. Teach me. Teach me how to listen. The times are noisy. And my ears are weary with the thousand raucous sounds which continually assault them. Boy, I've, I identify with that, don't you? My ears are weary from this noise of information in our culture. And then Tozer just prays, give me the spirit of the boy Samuel, that prophet in the Old Testament when he was young, when he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let me hear you speaking in my heart. Let me get used to the sound of your voice that its tones may be familiar when the sounds of the earth die away and the only sound will be the music of your speaking voice. Amen. Let's stand up and respond.